I think one of the things I've learned this year is transparency and openness. And I, I think I've always tried to pride myself on that, but it's hard to do that when you don't really know what the future is either. Welcome to Office Hours by Business Class from American Express. Each episode features innovative entrepreneurs and experts discussing how to navigate today's business challenges. That was Zoe Chrislock, CEO of Minilux. In a recent conversation with American Express Business, Chrislock explained the Minilux mission, which is to create everyday luxury experiences and environments that are cleaner and safer for both customers and workers. She reflected on the challenges and rewards of running a purpose-driven commercial organization, the reimagining of their service-based business during COVID, and what Minilux is doing to support the Stop Asian Hate Movement and other important causes. Chris Locke spoke with Jess Ling, Vice President and General Manager of Global Marketing Strategy, Engagement, and Enablement at American Express Business. Please note, the views expressed here belong to the guests interviewed and do not necessarily reflect those of American Express. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining another episode of Office Hours. I'm Jess Ling, Vice President of Marketing Strategy, Engagement and Enablement at American Express. And Office Hours is where experts and entrepreneurs come to answer your questions about running and growing a business right now. We are so thrilled today to have Zoe Chrislock, CEO of Minilux, joining us. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Zoe. How are you today? Hi. Great, Jess. Thank you so much for having us today. So my first question is a really basic one. Tell us more about Minilux and what the company does. Sure. Minilux is a nationwide nail and waxing studio. We offer services and we offer our own product line, clean product line, that we carry both in our studios and on our e-commerce website. And where did the, con where did the concept for Minilux come from? Yeah, believe it or not, Minilux was founded by two men, and their goal was to bring clean services to both the clients and to the workers in this industry. That was their primary focus. Their secondary focus was also is really important, and that was to create economic mobility for the workers in this industry. As a result, we also changed what used to be a transaction of getting your nails done to more of an experience, which today we like to call mini moments. So tell me how that compares to the nail industry overall. What's different about Minilux? You know, thank you for asking this question because I think so many times when I talk about the vision and purpose of Minilux, it gets lost a little bit in translation um, to, under, to help people understand uh, the industry overall. In 2015, the New York Times did an expose showcasing what the nail industry was really about. It talked about how it is not it's an unclean and unsafe environment for both the worker and for the client. It also shared how product had toxic elements in it and how the air was toxic. And more importantly, how workers were paid unfairly and often under the table and didn't have access to normal benefits most of us view as typical for the working environment. So we're really trying to change that idea and change the industry. It's really incredible. And, and I think what you just said is there are really sort of three missions to Minilux, right? One, how do you provide um, a cleaner and better experience for your customers? How do you reduce your environmental impact? As I heard you talk about, you know, the toxins. And then the third is really how do you create fair and equitable 
labor conditions. So talk a little bit about how those sort of three missions fit together. Sure, you know, I would like to believe the world and communities work in harmony. And, you know, when you go to have a moment of self-care, you want to know that the product that you're being, that's being used on you and where you're at is safe, not only for you, but for the worker and for the world. Additionally, I believe most of us want to believe that person giving you that service is being paid fairly so that their life can be better. I believe it's really important for all of us in business to do good things for the world. And this is how I see the ecosystem of these three points working together. I mean, speaking of good in the world, as an employee, you offer benefits that are practically unheard of in, in the industry. Um, I'll list a couple and I'd love for you to talk more about them, but competitive pay, uh, paid time off, insurance. Why do you go be of, above and beyond? You know, what is, what is the, the impetus behind um, those decisions for you and, and what business purpose does it serve for you? Sure. So I think if you just talk about the individual worker, you know, being part of a formal economy, which is when you get a paycheck and when you have the right and access to these things like health insurance, retirement funds, paid time off, that allows you to be a real contributing member of your community and society and make your life better. You have new options. Um, People sometimes see that as now you have to pay taxes. That's true, but you also get now a credit score that allows you to buy a house or a car. It gives you government support when needed, as we've just seen over the past year and a half. Yeah. And when you're part of the informal economy, that's all under the table, which might have its benefits, but it doesn't also give you those really important things to make your life different and better. So we see by able, being able to empower our team to have those new options in their life it not only makes a better life for our workers, but ultimately makes a better team for our business. And I know from speaking with you um, that your team is incredibly important to you. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, the benefits you offer as an employer, um, what has that meant to your team? Are there stories that you would share with the people listening and tuning in? Jess, thank you for asking because, you know, the team is what makes Minilux a great brand. Um, it's a wonderful group of people coming from all over. But some of the stories we've heard because of the uh, things that we've been able to offer and that economic empowerment are simple stories. I was able to buy my first car. My family now has their own house. To really moving story where one of our workers has an autistic child and she can pay for therapy and she's seen dramatic improvement because of this healthcare, simple healthcare offer that she now has and a flexible work um, schedule so that she can take care of her when needed. And then there's other things that don't have total economic ramifications, but inclusivity. We have two workers from Thailand that came to work for us and they were partners and they never even thought of getting married until the team at many like said, you guys should showcase your love and get married. And they threw the wedding for them and they had the after party for them. And I think those are the good feeling stories when you think about the world that you want to change to let people feel included and be the best version of themselves. I love that. I love that story. Um, let's talk about, you know, m much of what you're talking about is, as we would call it American Express, really showing true backing, right, to your employees. Yeah. Um, Talk a little bit about backing and, and, and mini locks and just for you personally and professionally, how important has backing been in your business story? 
uh, it's been incredible. And I think um, coming from corporate America to this story in Minilux, it's been a really um, evolving journey for me personally. From our business standpoint, we have a really committed group of investors who believe in our purpose and our mission. And as a result, they're patient investors and they've let us build a brand and try these things like investing and overextending and how we offer medical and dental and, and those things and how we support our team. And I think as a result, we've been able to build a great brand. For me personally, as the leader of the brand, they've also given us, me great support in trying new things and testing new things and understanding that progress teaches us and it doesn't always have to be perfect. And I think that's how companies grow in today's age. So I'm really grateful for that backing of patient investing and constant support. I think that that's, that's great. And, 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 a, and a lot of times that backing really is um, sort of psychological safety, right? To sort of take those chances yeah. um, and, and, and know that that, that that support is consistent. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the ways that you're providing backing, you know, to the broader community, to your employees? Sure. I think, you know, it's changing and evolving. We've been away from our communities for so long now, we're really rethinking it. But over the course of the last year, during different points of social unrest, we developed a internal community called the Colors of Mini Lux. And it really gives our team the voice to talk about things openly that concern them. Talk about ways we as a brand can go out and connect and show support. We are a very diverse team, I'm so proud to say. And with that diversity comes a lot of different points of view, which we want to excite and embrace um, and, and action on. So we're really learning how to go now that the world is opening up a little bit and go and action on these great ideas from our team at Colors of Mini Lux. Additionally, we back important things to our causes. Breast Cancer Awareness as such a female-driven company. We operate and support that in every community we work in. We do things that are locally relevant Excuse me, for schools and local community events. So it goes from hyper-local to big overarching things that are affecting our team, but we really are proud of what we're standing behind, and we want to listen to our team to drive the best connection. And and I know that, you know, you just spoke about the diversity of your team. And, and while no sort of colleague base is a monolith, uh, there are certainly um, large concentrations of, of Asian people who work within the Minilux ecosystem. Can you talk a little bit about your support for Stop Asian Hate? Yeah, um, it's. It's all personal. I mean, <laughs> Black Lives Matter was personal. Asian, Stop Asian hate is personal. And when our teams really, when that really started, we knew what we wanted to stand for as a company. But more importantly, we needed to let our teams know we stood for them and that we were behind them. And by opening up the dialogue so they could voice concerns and fears, whether it be internally at work, via clients or out in their own communities, if they felt in jeopardy, we wanted to hear it so we could support. We're telling that message right now, mostly internally and supporting it digitally through our, our avenues, but we really want to keep our internal conversation going so we know how and when to support when people are worried about what they're experiencing. And I think this is an empathetic and open dialogue that we don't know the complete answer to yet. We just need to bring exposure and compassion to it right now. And that's our first step. Well, thank you for your leadership there. I think it's, it's fantastic and inspirational. Thank um, you. So you've talked a lot just from your own story about about purpose and and I think purpose driven businesses have a lot of allure right now. There's a, there are a lot of 
uh, there's a lot of momentum there about, about sort of being a purpose-driven organization. From your standpoint, what are the hallmarks of businesses who are really getting it right and, and those who will be, a be around for the long haul? Yeah, um, purpose does have a lure right now, and I'm, I'm really okay with that because I think it's important that we all try to make the world a better place. But I think purpose really needs to have the passion around it. Uh, you know, it's really easy to see businesses that are purpose-driven. If they don't have passion, they don't have that authenticity that you need to drive the story. This is a, this is a hard this is a hard road. You know, when you're, when you're motivated by purpose, it's bumpy, it takes patience, and it's some heavy lifting. So the passion is the only thing that's going to get you there. And I think that's how it's sustainable. In the long run, I think when you develop a team like I've been fortunate to do around Minilux, where everybody's passionate about, about winning this, this idea, um, it does create a lot of fun and momentum too. But I think it's about how you're going to make the world a better place for everybody once your purpose is, is in action. And that's, I think, what we go to here at Minilux. So let's, we've sort of talked high level about, about mm -hmm. your company and your mission and sort of how you're backing employees. Let's talk a little bit more about this past year because it's been a challenging one for, for businesses across the board. How has the pandemic impacted Minilux? Yeah, oh, well, longest, shortest year of the world, right? I think everybody has that, um, that going for it. It's been, it's been a very interesting road to walk down. It was heartbreaking at the beginning when we had to furlough hundreds of people on our team. It was hard when it was just a few of us left trying to make ends meet in the, until we knew what was happening. Um, then it was challenging in figuring out how do you reopen with this state having this recommendation, this state having another recommendation. Mm -hmm. And I think you go back to the passion and the reason why people are at Minilux, it, we made it through because of that. And we were resourceful. And we really took the time and the break to think, okay, let's reimagine our business and what it might be, what it should be, and what it could be. And we thought, what do we really need to do to set us up for success in the future? What do we really need to think about that maybe we were doing that we don't need to do anymore? So we really did take that time and that little bit of a break to think, how can we get out of this stronger and better and stay positive that we will get through it? So I think the world of emotion during that six months to a year to a year and a half now has really been staying positive, keeping the team connected and close and thinking about how we can do it better each and every day when the new world arrives. And I think that's half of it. I remember acutely and half of it. I forget altogether, but those are the, <laughs> the, the highlights of, of our journey. I think in the past year, that makes total sense. It's been such a, such a whirlwind. Um, you know, they often say, uh, that innovation is born out of times of hardship. Are there, mm. you know, you know, you talked a little bit about some of the adjustments you had to make. Are there insights or innovations that have come out of this time that, that you think you'll, you'll carry with you? Sure. I think I feel very fortunate that we believed in clean beauty before it was a necessity. So and we've had the ability to really take it one or two levels higher, which I think our clients and our team have appreciated. I would call that necessity, not innovation. I think the innovation piece was really operations, which is not super sexy, but in a time where you're managing cash and trying to make ends meet, being thoughtful about how your process and, and protocols happen and operations happen in studios was really important to us. And we were able to really recraft how to be scrappy again 
and, and make it great for the clients, but also work for our business. And then innovation, we saw people have to do things at home. And, you know, everybody knows if you're right-handed, painting that right hand is not easy. <laughs> so, you know, we have a lot of um, learnings in that. And we really think that the at-home market's going to continue to grow as well as the, the in-studio in market. And we're excited to experience that. And we're building on that right now. So there's been a little bit about redo reamplify and then relearn and, and re recommit to something new and fresh. So it's been, it's been multifaceted, I guess you could say. Wondering how other business leaders are navigating through the current environment? Get your questions answered by joining Office Hours, our live Q&A program where we talk with influential entrepreneurs and business experts about their experiences. Visit amex.co forward slash office hours for more information, including the upcoming schedule. So, we're at a really interesting time in the world, right? Especially well in this country, particularly where, you know, over half of businesses are starting to reopen or think about reopening as, as local and, and, and federal sort of pandemic restrictions are changing. What's top of mind for you right now as you think about the kinds of decisions you need to make? Yeah, I think um, we've actually gone slow to go fast. We, you know, one day you're closed, the next day, oh, you can open. And it's exciting to open, but we want to do it right for our business, for our employees, and for our clients. So I think we've really thought about what's going to keep people safe, give people that work for us the time to get daycare organized, their lives organized. And so we've, we've walked into it one step at a time. I will say that right now we're really excited to just get back in action wholeheartedly. Um, we're still at capacity restrictions in a lot of our states and our team isn't able to work their full shift. So I think step one in our journey right now is like, how can we get back going 100% again um, with things lifted via cities and state rules and regulations? Yeah, I think, you know, Right now, there is so much to sort of unpack. Nothing is, not, it's, it's not open or closed, black and white. There are a lot yeah. of nuances. As a leader, you know, how do you approach decisions, whether it's these kinds of decision, decisions or others, when there's just a ton of ambiguity around you? Yeah, I think one of the things I've learned this year is transparency and openness. And I, I think I've always tried to pride myself on that, but it's hard to do that when you don't really know what the future is either. And to say to your team, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to play out, or I'm not exactly sure how we're going to do that. That's a huge vulnerability. And I think, but it's also very empowering because it puts you in a position where you get to really act as a team. And as a leader, you're saying, I don't know, but together, I think we can figure this out. And that was a huge learning this year. And I think maybe before I had the opinion that I had to always have the answer. I don't think I always have to have the answer anymore. I think I could be a purveyor of collection of answers, but it's been a really um, enlightening time to be like, wow, walking in ambiguity is hard, but it's also very empowering because you, you can form your story as it unfolds and nobody's going to predetermine it because nobody knows what's going on. So I think it's been... Um, I've taken it as a very big positive, but it's been a very hard thing to practice every day. That's such you want an interesting, <laughs> I know it's such an interesting um, sort of phenomenon as your leadership scales. It's impossible to outknow everything and everyone, especially right now, right? With the pandemic, it's, there's, there's no way to know. So I think we're all sort of just leading through that ambiguity. Um, yeah. So, so sort of, Put in your pocket the fact that we're navigating these sort of murky waters of what does reopening look like? 
what does growth look like for you long term? Like, how do you define it? What does that look like for Minilux? Yeah, so step one is, like I mentioned, just getting everybody open. I think step two is we're excited to be in a, in a space to grow, and we're looking at expanding our studios in our existing four markets as well as growing to new markets. We're also looking forward to um, opening up our mobile kiosk stations in market so you can experience Minilux at work, at play. And then we're also going to be doing Minilux at home. So we Great. think that it'll be also awesome to have that ability to have Minilux come to you when you can't get to us. We think it's a really uh, different approach to experiencing Minilux on your terms as a client. That's great. So Zoe, you talked a little bit in your, in your intro about how you know, you've, you've had different kinds of experience, right? Uh, big corporations now, now running Minilux. Um, talk a little bit about leadership lessons from your perspective. What's one thing you've learned along the way that's really stuck with you? Yeah, gosh, it seems like the last year has given me a few lessons. But yeah, I think it's important to be two things that I have found success in leadership. One is really being transparent as possible, letting, letting your team know what's happening, what you expect, where we're going, what can be the hard roads, what can be the easy roads, and, and working through it together. At the same time, I really feel like one of my major jobs in being optimistic and, and passionate is also like leading the ship. So we, we stay at a nice pace. We stay on track. We're running a, a lot of roads at the same time here at Minilux. And I think understanding how not to get too ambitious and, and too fast so that we are out over our skis, but we can really execute accordingly and meet our goals and our plans is super important. And as a leader, I really take a lot of pride in making sure we're at a balanced pace to, to execute and to plan and, and to reach our goals. I love that. I love that balance between having this ambition and this vision while also giving your team the space to actually focus on moving and, and driving results today. And I think so many leaders have a hard time balancing and stay either sort of really focused on today and tomorrow or so far ahead that teams have a hard time executing yeah. to meet that expectation. So I, I love that lesson. Um, I will tell you I try to do it. They might say some days I'm better at it than others, but <laughs> it's a daily goal. <laughs> so we talked, the last sort of section of, of my questions is really focused on, on the future for you and your business. And I think we covered a lot of that when we talked about growth and how you define that. Um, but I would ask you one question in that sort of chapter, which is if you had to pick the one thing you're looking forward to this year, what would it be? The one thing I'm really looking forward to this year is new for us. And it's really, we're going to take the lead in, in sharing and changing the narrative of the nail designer. We're going to come out with a campaign that really celebrates the craft, the passion, and the commitment being a nail designer has. And the way it changes people's lives. After you get your nails in, you're confident. You feel like you're ready for the world. You had a moment of yourself. And there is a talented person on the other end of that service that's so great at what they do. And we really believe it's an amazing career opportunity for so many who don't know about it. So we're coming up with a great campaign to drive that story, to hopefully impact new career decisions for people coming into the workforce, or maybe those who want a second 
a second part-time career, or maybe those who want to just join Minilux. But we think it's a story that should be told in a really inspiring way. So we're hoping to get that out to market by the middle of summer. And to layer into that, we are going to start our own Minilux university that will invite future designers into school to get their license in a particular state. So we have a lot of ambition about how to grow this industry and offer this as a career opportunity for people. And I'm really excited about that. I love that. And I think there's so much interesting paths to take that campaign. I know just mm -hmm. in my own personal life, I see on Instagram uh, nail artists who are real influencers who are really pushing the envelope of art. And it's incredible yeah. to see. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the campaign. I'm sure it will be amazing. Um, we have a couple of questions from the okay. audience. Um, the first is, we've talked a lot about Minilux as a business, but the audience would love to know, where, where is Minilux? How can they find it? Where are you located? Great. We're in four markets today. We're in um, Dallas-Fort Worth area. We're in Los Angeles, downtown, um, Sunset in the Brentwood area. Then we're in Boston, in the city and suburbs, and we're also in Rhode Island. Oh, great. Okay, so you've got some geographic uh, diversity there for, for exactly. people located in, in different areas. Um, you must have had to do a ton this year in particular to keep yourself motivated. I think the audience would love to know, what are your personal tips for staying motivated? How do you keep yourself uh, going and excited every day? Mm -hmm. I think part of it is I love what I do. So back to, I've always believed you should work in something you, you love and care about. And so passion in a project is always great. But I really do the, the inner, inner part of me wakes up every day grateful for things. I spend, before I jump out of bed, I'm three things I'm grateful for. And there's always something to think about. There's a lot this past year and a half you could just be bummed out about. But I think there's always something to think and make your mind get to that positive space. And I've been so lucky in life to surround myself with great people and a, and a great team that, you know, you, to take three or four minutes before your day gets started and be grateful, it does change your mindset. It really, really does. I totally agree. I try to do that too. Um, and I just find a little corner of my notebook and I write the things down. I find it, it's really grounding in the morning uh, just to remember to be grateful for what you have, not sort of thinking about what you don't have. I know that sounds so obvious but that slight orientation can really make all the difference it is you know you the alarm goes off and i'm like and I, sometimes i'm like oh, i'm like okay what are we going to be grateful for because some days you're like sometimes i think at two o'clock i should take my be grateful moment just because you know days get going <laughs> but I, it does it does put you in a very positive optimistic place and i'm grateful for that too so some other questions that are coming in one is we've talked a lot about nails is there a is there a version of Minilux that's beyond nails that thinks about other types of spa treatments? Um, we also do waxing in our studios too. And so our waxing specialists are up and coming group of individuals and we're going to be doing dynamic things. You know, now with the mask, your eyebrows have become a new, a new cool thing. And we're, mm. I'm going to start expanding our services in early fall and our waxing specialists are going to be leading that charge. So we're very excited about their group, that group of um, individuals growing their story in Minilux, as well as we're looking at other things right now. We think the beauty industry is big and we think new innovations will continue to come. And when it's right to, to fulfill our two visions of uh, how do we have clean and how do we give economic mobility, we will definitely look to put that under our umbrella as well. I love that, making really anchoring into to the mission, not just expanding 
for yeah. expansion's sake, which makes a ton of sense. Um, there are a lot of small businesses out there who want to be more people first, and they don't know how to start to, to sort of shift that way. What advice do you have? Make them first. As a leader, I serve them. They don't serve me. So, you know, we have team first here at Minilux, and I think it's what, what we do. And you have to be humble enough to know that those people are your brand. And, and when you realize that and you're grateful for them, and, and every decision we make is about how can we do what's right for the team that leads this brand, it becomes very simple. Some days are harder than others, I won't, I won't kid you, but it, it really is an important philosophy um, that the team really embraces here, and, and we're excited to work for our team every day. Just building on that, I've got two more questions for you, but I'm going to yeah. build on that one really quickly because I thought it was, I, I love what you said there about just do it, just put them first. Um, when you're thinking about new ideas, when you're considering new places to take the business, um, how do you think about your, your team as part of that brainstorming process? Do you get ideas from them? Do you have forums where you can exchange um, good ideas with each other? How does that work? Yeah, so we haven't had the ability to expand since I've been part of the Minilux organization. And, and I don't know how they've done it in the past, but in the future, we do have we do have designers and studio leaders that have lived in different parts of the world that think, we'd be great in Florida, we'd be great in Houston. You know, we're, we're taking that all into account. I do think the one thing we've learned over the course of the last year or so is making sure our locations are not only great for clients, but also for the people that work for us. Traffic is heavy in a lot of cities. Parking and, and ability to get to studios is difficult. And I think as important as it is for our clients to be able to get to us, it's really important that our our service providers and our team and talent can get to us too. So I think that's going to be a new threshold we really look at as far as locations and where does great talent live that can, can be a part of the Minilux organization as well as where, where's a great client base too. I, I, I love the way that you sort of think through um, considerations, you know, it's, it's not just expanding or, or, or going to where the puck is from the customer perspective. It's also how do you attract the right talent? And I right. think that, that that's wonderful advice. And I think that's a great place for us to close our conversation because I can't think of a better piece of advice than that. Um, so Zoe, thank you so much for your time today. I loved hearing about your experiences. I think Minilux sounds like an incredible organization. I'll certainly be looking out for the campaign that's coming out. I'm excited about that. Uh, to those of you who are in the audience, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in for, uh, to Office Hours next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, visit us at AmericanExpress.com forward slash business class uh, for more interviews just like this one and other resources for businesses at every stage. Thank you so much, Zoe. It's great to have you. Thank you, Jess. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Office Hours. You can find other can't-miss conversations and a ton of useful resources for business owners at every stage at AmericanExpress.com forward slash business class. Looking for new ways to keep up with the latest business trends and insights? Business Class from American Express is an educational resource to help today's business leaders adapt to the current economic environment. To view compelling stories, timely tips, and inspiring insights from industry experts, leaders, and street-savvy entrepreneurs, visit mx.co forward slash business class.